go. Hello and welcome back. This is Roger Royce with the 10,000 Startups Podcast, Legal Strategies for Startup Success, where every week we give you new original content with a subject matter expert on a topic of interest in the legal world to startup companies. And today we're doing a special sort of presentation where I am the interviewee and we're going to talk about a certain transaction that I do all the time. It's very common here in Silicon Valley. It's called the flip transaction. And here to discuss it with me is attorney Soyan Choi, who's an attorney here in Silicon Valley. She does corporate and uh, technology law. And she's graciously agreed to come and speak with me and, and talk with me about this particular transaction. So thanks for being here, Soyan. Hey, thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. And I'm glad that today you are the subject matter expert. <laughs> yeah, well, I gotta, gotta do that once in a while. So here's the scenario. Let me let me tee this up for you. We have a um we have a, a foreign company and they've uh established their business in their home country. Let's make up a country. I don't want to uh, offend anybody. Country A. All right, country A. We can be more creative than that, can't we? Korea? In, okay, they're in Korea. Okay. Um, they're in, no, they're in the country of Startup Landia. All right. And they've been really successful in Startup Landia. They've got users. They've got traction. They've even got investors. The government has put some money into their company to get them going. And now they've decided... And let's say that company that has done so well in Startup Landia wants to come to Silicon Valley now, and they want to come here for markets, they want to come here for talent, or they want to come here to raise money. So how do we do that? And that is the flip transaction. We're going to convert that Startup Landia corporation into a Delaware corporation. That's the flip transaction. So there you go, Soyan. What do we want to know about it? Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, as an initial matter, you have a, a foreign entity. And um, so so when, how do you evaluate this? How do you know when that uh, company is ripe to enter the U.S. market or, you know, continue to operate as a foreign entity? And then also, do you have to have a parallel entity here? What's the so the transaction structure is, is pretty straightforward. Uh, step one, we form a Delaware corporation. Step two, with some countries, we can even do a merger into the Delaware corporation. Usually not. Instead, what we'll do is what we call, for tax purposes, a type F reorg, uh, but it doesn't have to be. It could be another, it could be another type of tax-free transaction for U.S. purposes, but the foreign shareholders transfer all their interest in the foreign company to the U.S. company in exchange for interest in the U.S. company. So now, poof, we've got a Delaware corporation owns everything. Um, and as I said, as a U.S. matter, that's pretty simple uh, until you start drilling down into the details. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's the basic transaction. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a good framework. And so what are some of the uh, security uh, concerns that you would have to shore up before in anticipation and some issues that we might have to accommodate? So 
let's kind of take them one by one. First is the corporate issue. And the corporate issue is uh, relatively straightforward. You either can do a merger or you can't. For example, Singapore, we can't do a merger. They don't have a merger statute. So we'll do that as a stock for stock exchange. So that one's relatively easy. Now, it's easy until it's not if there's a thousand shareholders in your foreign company and you got to do a stock for stock deal. Well, that's not so easy, is it? So there can be a legitimate corporate issue there. Um, but that's going to become pretty apparent pretty quickly. Second issue, and this is the biggest one, is the tax issue. This is almost almost always tax-free on the U.S. side. The only time it's not is if we have a U.S. shareholder of the foreign company, and then the answer is maybe. Uh, and that's when we got to get the tax department involved, and we have to determine, is there any appreciation in those shares that are coming into the U.S.? Are there any earnings and profits in that corporation that's coming into the U.S.? And, you know, it's an odd counterintuitive thing to think that the U.S. would tax a company for wanting to come into the U.S., but that's what happens sometimes. Now, we can almost always plan around it, but again, we have to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third and usually the biggest issue is what happens on the foreign side. Because usually that's going to be taxable to the foreign shareholders, even though there's no U.S. tax, there's a foreign tax on the foreign shareholder for doing that exchange. So we have to plan into that with foreign counsel, especially foreign tax counsel as well. Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. Speaking of uh, foreign counsel, um, what are some employment issues? Uh... And on the employment side, that's often a surprising issue for people, because if you're going to establish a company here in the U.S., especially to go talk to VCs, you're going to have to have people here. And what, what people quickly find out is, number one, especially in California, our employment laws are much different than what you're probably used to. Uh, for example, if you're in Europe, Europe is harsh, but California is harsh in a whole different way. So that's something to become familiar with. And then secondly, the immigration issues. So you really have to, it's a multidisciplinary transaction. You want to have your immigration lawyers involved. You want to have your employment lawyers involved. And you have to have foreign counsel along every step of the year, step of the way, because you might not be able to move them quite so easily to the U.S. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times the value is in the workforce. So you have to make those considerations before you get too deep into it. Right. The entire value is, uh, you know, compromised. Um, yeah, actually kind of parallel but different is what about the founders? You know, what sort of concerns would they have to consider? Yeah, the founders, it's kind of the same issue. They oftentimes, they, they want to come over to the U.S. That might be one of the motivating factors in forming a company. Uh, that is a path. Uh, that's possible. Uh, but that's an immigration issue, not so much corporate issue. Uh, I will say that if they don't want to come to the United States, they don't have to. You can be a board director and live in France. You know, you don't have to be a U.S. citizen, don't have to be a U.S. person. You don't even have to be here. You know, your bank might want. As I said, your bank might want you to have a person here, but you certainly don't need to be here as a founder in order to form a U.S. company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you have to have any considerations in terms of like equity comp? Um, Equity comp is a real problem in these deals, not so much on the U.S. side, 
but from the foreign side, because what the U.S. doesn't tax, other countries will. Mm -hmm. For example, we have stock option plans in every company I deal with, almost. And the grant of a stock option is not a taxable event to a service provider under U.S. law. You'd be surprised to learn that is not the case in other countries. So we bring our foreign employees over. We don't bring them over. We just we migrate the company to the U.S., and we give our foreign employees U.S. equity, we need to check local law because in some countries, that's going to be a taxable transaction. Now, if it is, I've, you know, I've got a way around that. We'll use a phantom plan. We'll use a bonus plan. Uh, maybe we'll use a special type of incentive that's authorized in that country. We'll figure it out. But it's the kind of thing we need to be forewarned about. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know about. Um, sort of like on a similar uh line of questioning is there a lot of um sort of uh friction that they or education that needs to be done in terms of uh u.s side management or you know updates on how to you know then transfer and run their company here a foreign entity a foreign entity here yeah that's that's a little beyond my, my pay grade <laughs> um you know what what i will say though um and this is kind of a sleeper issue is in other countries, governments tend to be far more involved in their startup community than they are here. They will make investments. For example, I've you know I've had several German companies come over that had government money. I've had Singapore companies that had Singapore investors, and that's how they get off the ground, and that's how they get they get started. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that they may be prohibited from moving to another country. And even if it's not a government investor, they might have to get the consent of their foreign investors to move to the U.S., and the foreign investor might not want to. Or it might be that they lose incentives. Australian companies have this issue. They might lose local incentives by migrating outside of Australia. So all of these are really foreign issues, but they should be on the checklist for people to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your practice and uh who conducts that diligence or do you want that diligence done before you talk to the client or? No, that's going to be a joint project, you know, between us and foreign counsel. I mean, they'll tell me that they want to move the company here. I'll tell them what we need to do as a U.S. matter. And we'll go through my checklist and make sure we've covered everything as, as the foreign matter. The other thing that comes up as a U.S. matter is the securities laws. Because coming into the US doing this transaction, I mean, the US company is issuing a security, right? So we want to make sure that we comply with the securities laws. And this is all often a surprise to non-US persons uh, that we have a we have a dual system here in the US. It's not just federal securities laws, it's federal plus up to 50 states. So we've got blue sky laws to comply with as well. So that's something else we want to take a look at. And I guess while I'm at it, I want to think about the IP issues also. Where do we want that intellectual property to be owned at this point? Because if we're going to move it into the U.S., and sometimes the investors want that, now is a great time to do it, right? Do it now rather than later, especially if we can do it on a tax-free basis now. Right, exactly. On the other hand, you might not want to, right? I've seen companies inadvertently turn their non-taxable intellectual property into taxable intellectual property by doing one of these transactions without really thinking it through. You know, another reason you got to walk down the hall and get your tax people involved. Yeah, it seems like IP counsel could help. Uh, Definitely IP counsel. Definitely. 
uh, and and foreign IP counsel as well. So I hate to make it sound so complicated, but there are a lot of moving parts to these transactions. But just just so you know, even though I've gone through a zillion issues here, usually they're much smoother than that. Um, usually, you know, we do this early enough where we don't have a thousand shareholders. We don't have problematic investors. We don't have several classes of stock, which we try to mimic in the U.S. Uh, so, you know, we don't have all these employment and equity comp issues, but and we don't have all these tax issues. But I will say that I have run into all of those issues, you know, you know, throughout all of the deals that I've done in in various degrees. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's basically usually very contextually driven, right? Because it's the needs of a particular client at that time. And so you have to figure it out as you go. Yeah. And on the uh, finally on the corporate side, I didn't mention this earlier, but corporate financing documents, if you do have investors in a company, they can look much different in other countries than they look here. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is mimic the deal terms and do as little violence to the business deal as possible while trying to stay close to market in the U.S. because we're doing this so we can go out and find U.S. investors. And sometimes that works and sometimes it's a lot harder. Uh, For example, um, investor terms in Asia can be much more investor friendly than we see here in the U.S. Uh, That's even true in Europe. Uh, U.K. shareholders agreements have a lot of what we have in the U.S., but also a lot of other stuff. Uh, U.K. shareholder agreements also have little slight differences, not just U.K., but throughout the rest of the world, slight differences in managerial rights that shareholders and owners and investors have than the U.S. documents have. So we never get a perfect mirror, but we want to get as close as possible. Yeah, that's true. And um, actually, I do have a practical question about the preservation of the now converted or flipped entity. You know, so you keep it uh, a library of the previous documents and then also are there translation issues in terms of language? Yeah, that, that yeah, good point. Um, sometimes we will have language issues. I only do my work in English, uh-huh. uh, but, and I'm sure you've probably seen this too, Soyan, where you've got the doc, where you've got the documents and on one side is the English on the other side is the translation. Uh, just make sure we have a clause somewhere in there that says the English controls. Uh-huh. So I know what we're getting into, but we can, yeah, we can deal with that. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it's a global economy now. All right. Well, is, are we, I think that's it for time. I think so. Thank you for doing this with me. Um, uh, this is a very hot, popular, common topic. So I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. I'm Roger Royce. This is 10,000 Startups, Legal Strategies for Startup Success. I've been talking with Soyan Choi, uh, a lawyer in Palo Alto who does corporate technology. Thanks very much. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you.